All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of What's What VR. Today we have Molly Phillips with us, who's from NIAP, who, if you don't know, which I didn't, NIAP is the National Youth Advocate Program, right? Yes. Molly, is that right? National right. Youth Advocate Program, NIAP. I cheated. I had it on another screen, so <laughs> making <laughs> sure. So. So how are you today? Things are good? Fine, thank you. Enjoying this beautiful, cool weather after our crazy storm. Uh, yeah, for anybody, we're recording this the day after Zeta, Zeta, I don't know. Something in the Greek alphabet. We've never had this many storms hit Louisiana before. Today. Yeah, I don't know what's going to, like, everybody keeps saying, it's like, what happens on the next one? Do we go to, you know, Alpha, Alpha? You know, who knows? But horrible day yesterday, but at least here in Baton Rouge, it is amazing weather today in the 50s, 60s. I'll take it all day. That's so right. pray for those down in South Louisiana, and we'll do the best we can, you know, here to help them. So, so tell me, Molly, as we jump into this, for anybody who doesn't exactly know, NIAP or National Youth Advocate Program has been around a long time. Got roots all the way back to Ohio, but you're here in Louisiana, you're here in Baton Rouge, right. you know, with us, but tell us what is it for the person who goes like the name, but what is it? National Youth Advocate Program is a foster parenting agency. We train, recruit, and provide foster care and place foster children with uh, the foster families that we train. So that is our mission. We've been around for 43 years. We started out in Cincinnati, Ohio. Dr. Mubarak Adwar uh, was a Palestinian refugee who came to Ohio as a uh, child and was educated here. And he saw the need. He saw the need that youth needed help. And he didn't like that youth were in group homes. And that that, that is one of our main missions to not have children ever go to group homes because they're not great places. They warehouse children and, and they often learn behaviors that are not helpful and sometimes are more harmed and receive more trauma in a group home. So our mission is to provide loving homes and recruit parents and that's what he believes. And it's true. Children do so much better in uh, a foster parenting situation in a home where it has, has a loving environment and structure and they can blossom and thrive and heal. That's amazing. And I try to, you know, make sure that everybody is, what, what is that, you know, we're saying the group home, that's the alternative. You know, that what is, is, is the group home for? A group home is where a state will send a child that they don't have a home for. It is like a, a facility that is run usually by different companies. Some of them are for profit and children are housed with other children and they don't often get a lot of counseling or care. They're kind of warehoused. And that's what he saw the need. In fact, when he was a young man in college, he has his PhD and other graduate degrees, but he saw back, this is before there were lots of rules and regulations. He would help children that were homeless in um, Columbia, Ohio. And he would often take these children in and would give them care. And, and he would go, when he'd go like to the doctor or the dentist, he would take that child with them. And he would introduce them to his doctor or dentist and say, you're going to take this child. This child needs a home. Thank you. And they would. And that's how he kind of got started. He saw that these children off the street needing help that were neglected needed homes and that they thrived and did better with a home. His father was killed when he was a child in the Israeli-Palestinian War in the 40s. And so he and his family were split up, and he spent time in group homes and in orphanages before he was able to reunite with his mother and get back to the, and move to the, and migrate to the United States. So 
So right. the group home, that's the, I was about to kind of draw that. That's the nicer way to say orphanage, you know, now maybe more well, PC, it's, it's not, not exactly, exactly, but. Not exactly orphanages because a lot of times when a child is a group home, when the state takes a child in custody, the parent still has biological rights and ties to that child. And the state though has custody, legal custody of that child. For instance, when we get a child to place for a home and we place that child, that child is under our guardianship, but the state still has legal, has the overall uh, responsibility for that, that child they've given to us that we give to foster parents to take care of. So we monitor, take care and make sure that everything's okay with that child. And we still interact uh, in some degree with the um, biological parents. When it, the ultimate goal of foster care is that a child is placed, taken out of a harmful or neglectful environment, is placed in a situation where they're hopefully gonna go to a home, not to a group home, but to a foster parenting home. And at that time, the parent is working to better their situation or their plight or do what they can do so that they can have this child back. The ultimate goal of foster care is to reunify families, to make families healthier. Now that doesn't always happen. Sometimes foster parents, for whatever reasons, don't fulfill their end of the uh, the agreement with the court. And the court looks at the foster parent after a given amount of months or time, usually about a year or maybe a little longer, depending on the circumstances of that foster parent, they'll say, well, we're going to sever your ties. You're not doing what you need to do. This child needs to be in a home. This child needs to have structure and permanency so that the, the parent's rights will be severed and that child can then be adopted, either sometimes by the foster family if they choose to, or it is put up for adoption and it is adopted. But um, the ultimate goal is to help and benefit the child. So it's a kind of a three-pronged approach. We want to help children not go to group homes. We want to help children be reunited and healed to go back to their families, if that's possible. But if not, they stay with a foster family for as long as the courts allow them or their place there through us. And we have people that we work with them and we work with the family. So it, it really does benefit the child. So they get the structure and love and care that they need to heal and to thrive and to grow and become a, you know, successful people. So it's not what a lot of people, I talked to some people, you know, just kind of, you know, the strawful, you know, talking to people, what, you know, what do you think, you know, foster, you know, parenting, what does that mean? And the, surprisingly, what you just told me is different than what I heard from most people. Most people, you know, because I knew we were going to be having this conversation, so I wanted to see. Most people were explaining to me that what they thought it was is child had a need or there was neglect or something had happened, and you were taking in that child, you know, in hopes almost on like a trial basis to ultimately adopt that child or, you know, waiting for someone else to. Now, that might happen, but what you're saying is, if there was a child that was being neglected by make up a scenario to where, you know, the parents, you know, maybe were not able to do or provide for that child because they weren't working or maybe had a drinking or drug problem. And that's not safe for that child that maybe that child is removed by the state placed into a home. Ultimately what our hope and prayer is that the parents can then, you know, get their lives back together, get things straight, you know, get back to where they can provide for the child and that child could be placed back with his family. Right. In That's a perfect the, world. Yeah, that is the ideal. That doesn't happen a good bit of the time. It doesn't always work mm -hmm. out that way. Uh, just because sometimes the parents can be incarcerated for a long term, so they're not going to get the child back or the parent doesn't um, can't get over their habit or their drug addiction. 
you know, or they are um, mentally or physically just not capable of ever taking care of that child again. And that happens it more. I can't say the exact percentage, but there are some children that are never go back to their parents. And then there's some children that do. It's just depends. It's an individual case by case basis. Now, sometimes we can look at the paperwork and kind of have an idea that, well, this probably may not, child may never make it back to their home just because of the severity or that, you know, what their parents' issues are. And then some you say, well, nope, this may have a good chance of possibly going back to their home if, if, if all works out well, because children want to be with their biological parents uh, oftentimes because that's all they know. That's your, their parents. That's who they're from. But um, it, it does provide a big need for children that don't have that and uh, need someplace to go um, while they're working through this process. There's an awful lot of neglect yeah. and abuse. And as we say, we're working with children from hard places. I would assume, and I'm going back, and I didn't think about this before, you know, we talked about we had on the show not too long ago, we has Liz Betts and, you know, Jack and Wilson from CASA. You know, do you yeah. guys work, you know, with CASA? Is Some that of our something? children do have court uh, appointed people that work with them because court because right. CASA is, you know, obviously an advocate for the court. And these children are awarded their own attorneys. Their parents have an attorney. The, the child has an attorney. They have representation in court when they have to go before legal processes, you know. And I asked that just to kind of drive from my own curiosity to where, I've always been raised where it's not always black and white. There's shades of gray, you know, is There's a lot of gray in foster care with foster children in general. I mean, some of these children um, have horrible circumstances. I mean, just have, you know, not all, but a lot of them and they haven't had a fair shot at life ever. So when they get into a foster home and get love and care and, you know, they'll say, you know, well, what do you want for Christmas? And these children will say, well, I wanted just a decent pair of tennis shoes. And they won't, I don't want a Game Boy or I don't want this Xbox or this big, you know, expensive toy. They just want a basic, you know, needs met because they've never had those needs met or they get to have a Christmas for the first time or share a Thanksgiving. I mean, these children have never had birthday parties, some of them. They've never had what you imagine an average child would have. They just haven't had that. They may have seen it. They may have gone to, you know, multiple schools if they've gone to school at all. Uh, nobody's helped them read to them. Nobody's helped them with their homework. Uh, so they they really just need that structure and need the care that it, it, it's just amazing when you see what foster parents can do to people. It's it's like you, um, you're there giving and, and helping and molding. And it's very rewarding because you can see the child change. You can see the child begin to thrive and learn and, and learn how to be successful and how to have good conversations with people, how what's appropriate socially, how to interact with people. If they're, you have an older teen, how to you know, apply for a job. What is a resume? This is how you handle money. They don't have any of that. They don't have anyone a lot of times to help them with that. So that's why it's so important. And we need, you know, parents so badly to help children because it's do, just the need. Do the parents know, you know, kind of is uh, like, again, it's a gray area, I'm sure, because you never know the timeline or like, you know, the commitment. Is it is it where you can be, you know, hey, this might be a six month situation or this could be, you know, a couple of years or this is a temporary. Like well, it, when we start out, we're never sure exactly how long it's going to be um, mm -hmm. because it, it could be usually several months, usually not uh, taken away 
you know, out of the blue, it can't happen, but that's not the rule at all. And these children are mostly with parents for at least seven months to a year or longer because they have to, mm -hmm. the parents have to go through the court process. The child is represented. So it takes a while. Uh, but a lot of times, some people, I know foster parents, excuse me, in other entities that have been foster parents and they've ended up adopting their children. Mm -hmm. uh, that happens sometimes. I mean, I can't say it's, you know, 99% or anything like that, but it, that does happen. And, uh, or sometimes a relative might come out of the blue and say, well, I'm going to take this child. They take the child for a while and realize, I don't want this. I really don't, you know, I was maybe doing it for some reason, but it's not good. And that, that other foster parent ends up back with the child. Um, we, the main thing is, and the state is in agreement with this, we want structured um people that you can trust that are good to take care of children. That's why all these policies and trainings and things are in place to make sure the child's going to get a good home and is going to get people that, that are mean. That's where I was going. Committed. You know, it's got to without the, you don't want to, you know, you pull the child's ripped out of the, you know, the life that they know, and then they're put into this new life and new school. And, you know, and then, you know, lastly you want to do is rip that again, you know, right. and no. go back that to where, you know, the state really wants a stable home and a good environment. And that's what we want. And that's, that's why we were here. We were, um, you know, asked to come in because we have a really good reputation, a good background, a good program. It's solid. Uh, we help the parents every way we can. And we're in the child. We advocate for them. So we are here to help children in need. There are about uh, 3,500 foster children in East Baton Rouge Parish alone. There are an average of usually 40 to 50 that need homes at any given time, needs placement in EBR. And then the surrounding areas is the same way. Livingston has a very high wow. foster parent rate. Um, there are just a lot of people for a lot of reasons that have children and can't take care of them. And, and very sad. So you guys are you know, new to Louisiana. You're yeah. not, but, you know, no, I'm not. the organization is. But... You know, one of the things I can imagine, you know, and I guess it's, we've been doing this show. I talked, you know, not too long ago with St. Elizabeth. Uh, it's actually earlier this week, I think. They came on there an adoption agency, you know. And right. so, but it, they were saying, I asked the question, I was like, is it more parents looking, you know, to, you know, to put their child up or is it more of a need for, you know, the children? She's like, it's more of a need, you know, for the children. You know, there's more families wanting to, you know, make the adopt the young, you know, the babies. Right. I've heard this, you know, that's the norm. That's what a lot of people are looking for. They're, you know, it's hard work to place, you know, possibly a teenager, you know. It is. It, 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 people, some people are like hesitant to say, I don't want to open my home to a teen. I want this young infant. And, you know, but we say there's a lot of advantages to getting an older child sometimes because that child can take care of itself, can dress itself, knows how to go to the bathroom. You're not going to get up typically during the middle of the night for feedings and that sort of thing. But, and these children blossom. They are so in need of care. Um, but people are often hesitant. Well, I don't know about that. And, they, and so we tell them, give it a try. We'll let us help train you. We will provide you with all the skills and knowledge. And we're there for you 24-7 to help you through the process. And people that open up their hearts and work with teens, like a particular family, we placed a child in May. They wanted a a five or six year old child, because they know how hard it is. You can't hardly ever place infants. They're already, you know, placed or they go very quickly as soon as they're almost in the system. And so they ended up getting a 12 year old little girl and she was high needs. She had some issues and 
we didn't know how exactly it was going to go because of the way she was portrayed in her paperwork. Well, they got this child. She's very loving. She's very caring. She's appreciative. She has thrived and blossomed. She was so happy decorating for Halloween for the first time and getting to pick out a costume. She never had any of that. And so um, just having her education, she was um, educationally, she was very behind for her age. She couldn't read. Uh, she was, had to learn her ABCs. Uh, but she's now in, 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 she's in sixth grade or seventh grade now. I can't exactly remember, but she's thriving. She's in school. She's doing well. They're getting her reading. She's grasping things and learning. She's making good grades. So it, it's just a matter of being open to a different idea and open your hearts to these children because it can be so rewarding to you to see that you're giving in such a, a, a manner that makes such a huge difference for these children. That's you mentioned the 24 seven support that you guys are there, you know, what is that? You know, because obviously, you know, with well, bringing in, introducing a new child into a home, whether they there's existing children or not, you know, there's, it's the, you know, I can, you know, my parents, you know, were divorced and so would, but I can remember hearing conversations from my younger siblings, you know, it's like, well, you're not my dad, you're not my mom, you know, it's like, okay, these things tend to escalate, you sure. know, sometimes and you've got to deal with it, but you guys are there around the clock. We help. are. We, we, we start out by training parents. I mean, we, that's the key basic in, in setting the foundation. We train parents in therapeutic foster care, which is a specific curriculum that's designed to help people work with children that have higher needs. The child could have anger issues. The child could be attention deficit disorder. Child could have a reading disability. The child could have be learning delayed a little bit, or have some challenges. Um, maybe on the spectrum, they could be, you know, uh, have, you know, some issues in that manner, but we work with them. Um, you know, and, and if a child's attention deficit, that's just, that puts them in that category that you find in every other way. And you just, it's an educational thing. It's a learning disability, um, an educational challenge that they overcome. But we work with the parents. We give them training in how to be a therapeutic foster parent, which is basically, it's a great foster. It's a great parenting course. I wish I'd have had it when I was raising my children because it's just great tips of how to communicate, how to de-escalate situations if a kid gets grumpy or angry. Um, it, it, it helps you understand children that have, uh, you know, issues. What teenager or what child doesn't have issues? None of us are perfect. So it really gives you a good foundation to work with. Then we also offer um, crisis intervention management, how to deescalate a crisis. If, if somebody's getting upset, how do you handle them? We're a no hold agency. And that means we don't physically discipline a child at all. Hands off. You can, you know, take away privileges. You talk to children, you educate children, but we physically do not um, discipline, use physical discipline at all with children. And so we teach parents how to do that and how to negotiate with children and how to help them so that they, that they don't, in, you know, they de-escalate a situation and how to be an effective parent. So we go through all those trainings and, and if, um, they have some other trainings they have to go through through the state, which are like talking about SIDS or how uh, prudent parenting, just common sense things to do as a parent and how to parent. And we offer 24 support when we are there when a child is placed 
and we meet the child and the social worker. We know the child's coming. We, we have, you know, we're there for that. Then we have a treatment coordinator who meets weekly with the parents who will take a child. If, if the parents are working to a doctor's appointment or a counseling appointment, um, they keep up with the day-to-day and the uh, things that are going on with the child. I'm the licensing coordinator. So I do the education training and licensure of the parent, getting all the paperwork and things and making sure they meet all the qualifications qualifications and requirements to be a foster parent. And so, and I keep up with their, their licensure and uh, paperwork that always has to stay current. Like whether you have current proof of insurance for your car, current driver's license, those types of things. And so I do that, but we, uh, and I meet, I talk to the parents at least once a month about training needs because parents do have ongoing training needs that we keep them current or help them with any issue they may have. Or like a parent may say, you know, I really want to know how to better communicate with a child or, or uh, how do I get a child to do their homework better or what whatever. And I provide training for that, or I give them resources for that. So we're very much hands-on in supporting our parents. We just don't give them a child and say, here, goodbye. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. We are very much present and not intrusively, but we're there to help with the parents. So they know that we're there for any, any need, any issue, day, night, weekends, holidays, we're there for them. That's amazing. So if somebody's listening and they're going, you know, I want to help but the first question is, you know, am I qualified to help? You know, is there certain, is there five boxes that you need to at least check off before you, sure. you know, give you yeah, guys a call? Some, there are some things. They're not real difficult. You, we uh, foster parent, therapeutic foster parents have to have a high school diploma. Uh, they have to have a financially stable income that can even be disability or social security, just so they can meet their financial monthly needs of their own. Um, they can live in an apartment, they can live in their own house. They um, must be able to pass a background check. Every foster parent has to go through a, bo- a background state uh, through certain registries to make sure they're not a sex offender or haven't committed any heinous or violent crimes that would prevent them uh, from being a foster parent. With that said, people may, when they were a teen or maybe a younger person, has some type of minor record you know, that they've done, and that might not prohibit them if it's not to do with child abuse or any kind of major felony. So, and also parents that maybe haven't had perfect backgrounds themselves, perfect upbringings. And they think, well, you know, I've experienced all this trauma or I've been abused or I was, you know, uh, assaulted. Well, they understand they're more than welcome to be foster parents because they can sometimes identify now. Foster parents don't have to have those kind of backgrounds, but that's okay. If they do, we don't want anybody to think, oh, I have to be this, you know, well-educated, you know, wealthy uh, upper middle class or middle class person. It could be anyone from any walk uh, walks of life because we work with children from all walks of life. That's that's what our agency is all about: diversity, helping people. A person can have meager income, meager home, and they can be the most loving, caring, great foster parent, or they can be people of means that have you know plenty to share and wealth, and that's great too. As long as a person has that high school diploma secure income of some sort that we can verify, pass the background check, have a bedroom that a child can have. They can even share a bedroom with a child of the same gender, uh, um, but only like three to a room. We never would want more than that. Typically a foster child usually has their own room just because that's what most people have a spare room or that they have a room. Um, They can have other children. They can have siblings. They can have grandchildren. Um, Foster parents can be married, single, gay, straight, 
whatever religion, we're very open because that's, we believe that all people have something to give. And we want foster parents from all walks of life because our children come from all walks of life. How, and I think, you know, you touched it in a couple of different areas, but I guess for the person who doesn't necessarily have the means, you know, for somebody, like you said, maybe it's their fixed income and they go, I'd love to help, but you know, I've got a fixed income. I can handle, you know, myself and my wife or, you know, my, you know, we can handle our situation, but we have the heart to, you know, help, but we don't have the means to, you know, nowadays let's face it where we're at, you know, with COVID and jobs and, you know, people look, you know, it's, it costs to bring another child into a home, sure. you know, are there, you know, sure. are they able to, you know, yep. do they need to be able to have that income to where it's, you know, it's stable and be able to provide for, Well, if if a parent has a stable income where they're meeting their basic needs, okay, and they have maybe a little money left over at the end of the month to show that they're solid and solvent, then that's okay. Very basic, meager incomes that they can meet their needs of their utilities, their um, rent or their mortgage note or their basic needs. And if a person can meet those needs, um, parents are also reimbursed. Uh, for foster parent. It's not like we tell them it's not a job and we don't want foster parents that are just doing it because they want the income, the the reimbursement. But um, Mm -hmm. foster parents are reimbursed if they meet all the qualifications, go through the training, go through the background checks and pass those, which most people do, um, then and go through the training and complete the program and and commit to it. Then once they're placed with a child, there is um, reimbursement that is more than generous to help foster parents take care of the child and any extra they use it for to pay for utilities or some of their own personal living expenses to help buy groceries. It's, it's, it, um, you know, it's more than generous to help take care of a foster child. So they have, uh, and a child also a foster child, they don't have to pay for their medical ex- uh, expenses. They're on Medicaid. So that is all taken care of. Uh, they, they, a child can even get, gets allowance out of part of that money from the state. They have to get an allowance. Um, depending on the age, and then and that's taken care of by the foster parents, and we monitor all that. So um, it's not a huge financial burden on parents at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it is more they just have to meet those basic requirements and needs, and um, most people can do that. Okay, so yeah, that's so that's that was kind of where I was going with. If somebody has the heart to do it, but they're like, we're taking care of our own, but we couldn't bring somebody else in financially, then we wouldn't be, you know, stable, but that sounds like that, that shouldn't be the issue. No, if if they have a stable home environment, whether it's meager, whether it's very wealthy, then we can work with them. They, they can meet that. And like I said, there is a reimbursement for foster parents and that's across the United States. All foster parents are reimbursed for taking care of children. We don't stress that highly because we don't want people to think it's a job and use it as an income, you know, that they're going to do it. We want people to do it for the right reasons. Yeah. So tell me, you know, you guys are, you know, 10 states, you know, been doing this into Baton Rouge, kind of came into the fire zone, you know, right now. But you had mentioned earlier, just in East Baton Rouge, I think you said 3,500 foster kids, you know, and 30 to 50. 
Yeah, it, it, they're right now uh, 3,500 children, foster children in, in a, that are placed in homes in EBR Parish. And there's anywhere on an average from 30, from 40 to 50 that come in and out of the, you know, the system that come in and in their place, but they need homes. So we definitely need foster parents and then, and then children also from around the state. Children, you, uh, the Department of uh, Child Services will contact us and say, well, we have a child that's in need. Maybe they're in Lake Charles or they're in Alexandria or wherever. We need a home. And so you can get a child that's not just from this area, from anywhere. And we also protect the identities of foster parents. We don't tell the, 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 the biological parent doesn't have the address, doesn't know where that child is placed. They know generally they, um, you know, the child has a right also to always be able, if the court has ordered that that child has communications with their biological parents, a foster parent can't prohibit that, but they don't give out information about where the street address is, where they live, or the way the parent, foster parent works, or any of that kind of stuff. That is all confidential. Now, at some point, if it looks like possibly the child is going to be reunited to the families, they may meet the biological parents somewhere at a restaurant or a park or somewhere away that's safe. We would be there to help facilitate that because you want to be able to help the child, if that is going to occur, transition in a positive way back to their parent. And oftentimes I've worked with other people in our company that'll say, and in training I went through, they'll say, children will really contact their foster parents years later if they go back to their biological parents, if they had a super good home and were loved because they are so appreciative of those folks. They'll come contact them when they're adults or later and say, thank you. I'll never forget what you've done for me or what you did for me. Tell me this, is this in your wheelhouse or would this be another group or another agency? You know, and my mind immediately goes to the void of something, you know, horrific, you know, whether it be accident or, you know, neglect. Are there, to use the wrong term, but like on-demand foster parents where it's like this situation happened tonight, you know, and we've had to remove this child. This child has to go somewhere. Yeah, they to where like you've got a list. Is that something that you guys do where it's like, hey, we've got seven families that don't continually have a, you know, maybe a child, sure. but they have a room and they know at any point in time they can get that call. They can't. There are some families that do that, that um, you can have foster parents that will take an immediate need that the child needs an immediate placement. Um, so there are foster parents that can do that. Uh, we don't often get those calls. Sometimes it depends on where the state and the social worker gets them and where the child's located in the state that can depend, but we get children that are in system that are temporarily placed in a home that need a permanent home. So that's more of our referrals. We're getting children that have been maybe placed into foster care just recently, and we're trying to place them now in a permanent home for however long that might be. Well, I'm thinking, you know, and I, only, I brought it up just from a, you know, maybe there's somebody who doesn't have that long-term commitment sure. or doesn't know if it's really the thing for them, but it's like, Hey, you could still help out if you've got that extra room, yes. you know, there, to where their parents you know, can do that on, that on call, you know, sure. because parents, like you mentioned, because the alternative is what the group home. Right. And you we've know. done something traumatic already, you know, whether I don't care how, my opinion only, and you're the professional, but if no matter how bad the situation is for the child, you've pulled that child out of that, you know, environment. Right. Doesn't that, I don't imagine there's any child that's excited, you know, maybe there's some abuse and they're excited to get away from it. But I would think by and large, that child's been pulled away. And it's traumatic. And then to go put them into a group home, 
you know, would almost seem like you know, we're just pounding, you know, we're making this worse. And then You're yes, it's, you got to get worse, you know, to get better. But if you have just this kind of army of people across the state where it's like, look, if you've got to do that, I can't do it long term. But if you call me at 2 a.m., my front porch lights on at 2.15, you know, right. don't send there them to the There are foster parents that do that. And there are also foster parents that do just respite care. For instance, they might say, well, I can't take a child for long term. But if I'm, I'm, I'm licensed as a foster parent and other foster parents need a break, they might say, I need, you know, they need respite care uh because they've been working with a child for five or six months, not that anything's going wrong. They just, you know, how parents want to break. You just want to get away for a few days or relax or break, maybe just for the day, go out and do some adult, you know, couple things. And so we provide respite care. There are some parents that provide respite care. We call that respite care. So they give the, the uh, main foster parents a break and they take that child for the weekend or for the day and they get reimbursed too as well for that. Um, any foster parent would, but, you know, and we need the temporary care, but, Primarily, our, our mission is to provide the long-term care, permanent homes for those children for the whole length of time they're in foster care. And that's what our greatest need Where is. Where was the respite care when I had my twins? Like, that I just needed to have somebody to come take, you know, them, like, as a right. parent. Like, you just, I need that in my life. You know, like, right. can I call this weekend and say, can you just take my three kids <laughs> Usually for the that's weekend? grandparents, but Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, but no, that's good to know. And I think it also hopefully bridges that, you know, to where maybe for somebody listening, if you're thinking about this, you know, maybe you start, start with that, this way and that emergency, you know, take them for the night, you know, the day, or then it gradually moves to maybe you can for a weekend and, right. you know, something like that. And then you go, Hey, you build a little confidence. Cause I'm sure, you know, even for me to think about it, it's like, you know, I can barely raise my own kids, much less somebody right. else's, you know, and that responsibility, but you might learn, I can do this, you know, well, and the satisfaction that you'd get from helping, you know, sure. I think. We have foster parents that had no children. We've had foster parents that are older and want and never had children or some that are older and raise their kids and think I want to get back. So it runs the gamut, but you know, most people, once we train them and they see what the process is like, they know that we're there and they've given we've given them the training and the tools they need to be foster parents. They feel more comfortable. And, and especially if they've got already children in their home, sometimes like, well, you throw one more in there. It's okay. It's, it, it, they, it's sometimes parents only have one child and they say, well, I want to have another child. So my child has some balance. I'm through having children biologically. I want my child though to understand they need to share, they need to learn. And I'll just see to, see what other children go through and help that child. So it, it's, it's a different sort of approach, but it helps them in their families open their hearts to kids that are in need. And I think most people, once they think, well, I can do this and go through our training and know that we're there, they feel a lot more comfortable because they have, they have an understanding that they didn't before. Like you said, you had some questions or you didn't realize. And um, so I think if people get in the system with us and get into our training, they'll feel more comfortable about opening a home to a child. And then they get to choose what uh, the gender of the child they're interested in fostering, the age range, uh, the ethnicity, um, any particular needs or things they don't want in a child qualities or, or things that they don't want to work with. We're open to that. We would never force a child on any parent that wouldn't meet their qualifications, that their parameters that they're comfortable with. Uh, we do a really good job of that. So that helps the parent meal 
feel comfortable. Like say, for instance, some parents say, well, I wouldn't want to work with a gay child. That just isn't my beliefs. That's fine. We'd never place a gay child with you. But there are some parents that say, ah, I'm open to that. That's fine. I understand it. I'm there to help that child because some children are thrown out of their homes or their parents just neglect them or ban them because they may come out and say they think they're gay. And so that is a problem. And gay children are at risk or teens are at risk for suicide because they feel, you know, uh, abandoned. They feel uh, confused, conflicted. And so they need that stability. That is, that is also why we're here to help children that have those conflicts and needs. Well, that's amazing. I think what you guys are doing is amazing. And obviously there's a need, you know, for it. And so hopefully, you know, maybe somebody listening here or watching is giving it, you know, you, as I tell, you know, some different people when they've come on the show, you, we're not trying to sell anybody. We're just trying to spark the idea in your head and right. bring some awareness. It's not, we don't need you to, you know, call, you know, Molly and say, Hey, sign me up, you know, I'm ready right. to start taking classes, but just to spark that interest to, you know, right. have that conversation over coffee in the morning with your, you know, yeah. spouse and, you know, talk it over, think about it. Or if you've ever been thinking about it and you have questions, give us a call. You're going to, I know, have our information or, uh, and the included in this. And we're there. We're there just to answer questions, just to fact find. Because some people think about it and they've never acted on it. And then when they start thinking about it, especially now, COVID is so hard for adolescents and children. They're displaced. School's different. They don't have the support system. So, you know, it makes it doubly hard to reach people. That's part of the reason why we're doing this podcast with you is to reach people, to get people to know that the National Youth Advocate Program, NIAP is here. We're here to help Louisiana children and teens that need, you know, this help so much and need um, a good family and good parents and people to go to. It could be a single parent. It could be a, you know, a couple. They can have gay parents. We're very open to any religion, any um, ethnicity of people that want to provide a home because that's all these children need is structure, mm -hmm. love, and care that they haven't gotten. Well, Molly, I appreciate what you guys have done and continue to do over all the years. Thank and if there's anything we can do to help you, we'd love to have you come back, you know, give us an update, you know, see, you know, how things are going. I'm sure there's a lot going on and I appreciate you giving us this much time. Well, it'd be great for parents to, and families to open up their homes for the holidays to youth. That would really mean a lot to some of these children. I can imagine there's some that just haven't had the experience to go pick a Christmas tree. Nope, and never had Halloween. Never many had of Halloween. us take that for granted. That's right. Thank you so much, Brandon. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care.